Nintendo. Camelot. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of N-Express Nintendo Podcast, the official Nintendo podcast of Goombastomp.com. I'm your host, Cameron Daxon. Joining us, as ever, we have games editor Mark Kalaroff. It's an all right week. Just all right. <laughs> it do I be cannot wait to get a little can't wait to get a little context for that. Uh, chiming in, <laughs> in the background there, we have indie games editor Campbell Gill. I'm too busy pouring one out for all the dreams that were crushed by me fighters this week. Ooh, that's just the right place to start. So, uh, <laughs> launching this week uh, in the Smash Brothers Ultimate Fighter Pass Volume Two, we had Kazuya from the Tekken franchise. There was a great Mr. Sakurai presents on the character, on his moves, on kind of the legacy of Tekken that aired uh, just a couple mornings ago. But of course, what Campbell's referring to is the last, like, last little chunk of the Mr. Sakurai presents. There was just a a rapid. It felt like a drive-by shooting of everybody's hopes and dreams <laughs> of all these. That all these is characters. A, that is a way of putting it. But it's ironic because none of those me's were gunfighters, though. So. Ooh, it's true. Even though uh, Dante does, you know, carry a gun, right, or two. Uh, so those those four characters, of course, being the the Dragonborn from Skyrim. Uh, Dante from the Devil May Cry series, Shante from Shante, uh, and what's the last one? <laughs> uh, Lloyd from uh, oh, Tales God. of Symphonia. Which, there we go. Yeah, yeah, brutal, absolutely brutal. Those four. It's not like these were characters who, I don't know. It's not like Lloyd had a chance of being in Smash. Yeah, but, but he's it, been it, it, in the rumor mill for so long, and fans have requested I, who, him. Okay, so. but who who hasn't been in the rumor mill at this point? You know what I mean? I mean, there's that, yeah. So, How is anyone upset at this point over this oh, roster? It's true, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? They said everyone is here, and, and most most people are here. Uh, a few people are, are, you know, represented only in spirit form or in this situation in, in me Fighter form. But it was—it truly was just the the way that they presented it was really just like a, a gut punch after gut punch. It was pretty pretty brutal how they did it. Um, I've never made a me fighter. Have you guys ever done that? Yes. Nope. Oh wow. Okay. So just one for just Mark to, and no for you know, just to have him on the board. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've never 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 bought any of those costume packs. Never never uh, messed around with any of that. That said, I'm super stoked to have Shantae music in Smash Brothers Ultimate. I think that's awesome. I might spring mm -hmm. for that pack. The Dante skin is very good. Love love me some Dante. And of course we you know, to finally complete the meme, we now can put featuring Dante from Devil May Cry on the Nintendo Switch Smash Brothers Ultimate box, which is very good. So kind of a I don't know. If if you had your hopes up for any of those characters appearing in a more substantial form in Smash Brothers Ultimate, I you know my heart goes out to you. But that being said, I'm not. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't personally bum me out that much. 
I guess the only one I was really thought there might have been a chance was Shantae. Yeah. Uh, the other ones, I was kind of like, yeah, no, like, obviously they're not going to put the Dragonborn in this game. Like, I don't <laughs> Skyrim. know. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? Like, no way. Right. Uh, Just for I guess the music, tra- that would be incredible. True. I know. I true, think it's so true. interesting that out of all those games, especially considering that all the characters that got Mii Fighters added come from series with pretty iconic soundtracks, it was only Shantae that actually had a song come with the pack. So it's interesting that, that Way Forward gets the honor out of all that, because like you say, yeah. it would be great to have the Skyrim main theme or one of the ba- stupid battle themes from Devil May Cry, but nope, the honor goes to Way Forward, and it's honestly, true. I think that's that's a good decision. Yeah, well, and, and Shantae, uh, they, that series has always had such a, to me, even though it's even though at this point it's kind of not synonymous with Nintendo any longer, it did get its start on the Game Boy Color, and they had the recent Switchboard. It, it makes a certain amount of sense. Right. That they would get the, the special treatment. Yeah, it's so bittersweet to me because on the one hand, I'm so glad to see the character get more representation in Smash, both with the Mii Fighter costume and with the song. But at the same time, out of all the indie characters that I think realistically had a chance of getting into Smash, I feel like Shantae would have been one of the best choices as an actual character to add because of, like you say, the connection to Nintendo, because of her stature as like the first big indie franchise, even if WayForward isn't as much of an indie studio today as it once was, having Shantae as a playable character would have been a great addition to the roster to represent a really pivotal moment in character in gaming history. But as as disappointing as that might be, it's still great for the character to get even more love in the game. It's true. It's And again, it's like, you can't really be mad. There's so many dang characters in this game at this point. It's not It's not like, you know, the, the loss of one or two or, you know, I guess in this case four of those potential characters is that big of a deal. Uh, <laughs> though, it does make me curious, not to set the rumor mill a-spinning, have either of you played Tales of Symphonia? No. Nope. I have no. Oh, I have man. Tales of Vesperia on my Switch. Sy- Symphonia, one of the all-time great GameCube RPGs. Truly great game. Great voice acting. Really stellar animation. Uh, interesting battle system. It had kind of a real-time battle thing going on in an era where that was not as common. I don't know. Very good RPG. I, I, I don't... I don't know. I don't think it'll be... I don't think this means anything beyond that they wanted to put a cool costume in this game, but I can always hope for more great RPGs coming to coming to Switch. So I don't know. I can cross my fingers for that. I mean, so correct me that, if oh sorry. Oh please, no no, go ahead. I was what gonna say, correct saying? me if I'm wrong, but hasn't the Tales series had like a major anniversary recently? So maybe they could be planning to do some sort of collections or more remasters to put them on Switch. It wouldn't shock me. It's 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 such a long running series. And the last few have been really well received, from from my understanding. It, it feels like, you know, it might be time to, to kind of go back to the old, back to the well with some of those older titles. So who who knows? Who can say? Mm-hmm. It surprises me that Smash Bros. is like coming to an end with Ultimate, I should say. Yeah. But yeah. it's like it just feels so weird because it's like the last few characters, even though there was outside of Sephiroth, maybe there was nothing that I really wanted. It's never been a scenario where I'm like, oh, I wish that character wasn't in. Like, everything has been a great addition so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And even and with... I... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I keep talking over you, Campbell. You talk. You're yeah. good. Come on, just let me get a word in. Jeez. But, uh... 
just like what you were saying, Mark, with Kazuya, that's a character that I had absolutely zero interest in, and I didn't even know about the character before it was announced. Um, but even then, after watching the Sakurai presentation on it and seeing his moveset in real time, he is a fantastic addition to the roster, and even if he is yet another traditional fighting game character like Terry or Ryu, he still adds something unique and has such a ridiculous moveset that adds a ton of variety to the existing roster. So with every character, they're adding something new to it. And it's amazing how even with these characters that might not be the first that come to mind, the most fan-requested characters, they still provide something new and worthwhile. So that's probably the most impressive thing that we've seen over the years as this roster gets more and more ridiculous, even with the ones that aren't at the top of the rumor mills, they're mm -hmm. still worthwhile. And now we have Tekken, um, oh my God, what is Terry Bogard from? King of Fighters. King of Fighters, we have that. We have Street Fighter. Mm -hmm. It's like now that we have all these fighting games in Smash Brothers, I feel like the only one missing is Mortal Kombat. That's a great point. That's I know that, really uh, the only one. There's like yeah. nothing. There's nothing else I can think of that's a fighting game that should be mm -hmm. in Smash. Virtua Fighter has the assist trophy, but are we really gonna put them in as characters? I mean, right. we already have Tekken and Street Fighter. I mean, I wouldn't put it past Sakurai at this point. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Go back to the Dreamcast, baby. Give me mm. some Power Stone. Um, no, but as far as like your major fighting franchises, I, I totally agree with you, Mark. There's not much that's left untouched outside of outside of your Mortal Kombat's. I might not Who have knows? been on point with my initial Ninja Gaiden prediction, but if we do have a, a Ninja character coming to Smash, I think that Scorpion could be a great choice as well. Either Scorpion I, I or maybe like Sub-Zero. I feel like they would go with Sub-Zero over Scorpion, just because slightly less violent. I, th I feel like Sub-Zero is a little more iconic. I don't know. Between the two? I guess so. I feel like Scorpion is nowadays. So? Uh, yeah, he's, I he's feel like he's got the, the whole... Yeah, the get over. Get over I was going to say, like the I want the yeah. character who is able to have a taunt that says get over here in Smash. Mm. That would be fantastic. That just made And also, it's not like really his uh, his like stabbing ability with the the claw shot. Like it's not like abilities like that have been in Smash Brothers, you know? Like we've I mean, seen it before, so it's doable. And they could go by the SNES interpretation of the character to keep mm. out like blood and stuff like that. I mean, oh we've seen Kazuya. If, if they had like, imagine if they had like the <laughs> like the FMV Super NES version of Scorpion in this oh, game. Oh man! Like, well, they could keep like his original costume and stuff and make it like the alternatives could be his newer looks. You know? Oh, that would be so good. That would be great, and I would love to see how they handle the violence because on the one hand they certainly wouldn't have the gore, but on the other hand, mm -hmm. you know, Smash Ultimate hasn't shied away from violence. I mean, Joker has a yeah. gun. Gun? In, <laughs> yes. Yeah, in the software presentation, we literally saw. Kazuya snap Isabel's back over his knee, so yeah. brutality is not unheard of in the game. Well, it's so not like brutality is missing in Mortal Kombat either, because like with the <laughs> SNES version, they didn't have blood. So it's not That's like true. this problem is like existing, that there's a barrier. There is no barrier. Okay, but wait, I just had an idea. What if instead of fatalities or brutalities, if we have a Mortal Kombat character in Smash, the only thing they can do are friendships? <laughs> oh my god. Gosh, or babalities. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> baby turned him into baby Mario. Like <laughs> he goes crying off screen, like it's Yoshi's story. That would be incredible. Oh my god. Um. So we, okay, we we should we should back up a little bit and talk about the the presentation itself because it was I thought one of the best presentations I've ever seen from from Mr. Sakurai. He delved into fighting games in a way that I've never heard him talk about before. 
and I found it completely fascinating. Uh, Campbell, did you, did you catch any of this when he was kind of talking about like, okay, here's like the theory of Tekken. Let me let me talk about zoning and like spacing and how to like how to bait out attack. Like, I thought it was incredible the way he was talking about just kind of here is the different theories of, of various fighting games. Like, here's how you play Tekken. Here's why it's a slower-paced kind of fighting game versus Smash Brothers. Here's why Smash Brothers is a faster-paced kind of fighting game. I thought that was utterly fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. It was so amazing how we delved into so many different aspects of the mechanics and of the thought process and the formalities that go into creating these kinds of games. And even touching on the age-old, is Smash Brothers really a fighting game debate? Where he was talking yeah. about, well, you know, Tekken is such a traditional fighting game. Smash Brothers is a little different if you consider it a fighting game or something like that. And yeah. I was like, he actually said that. That's crazy. Um, he addressed it, yeah. Yeah, but he made so many comments like that and delved so much into the mechanics. It was so interesting to kind of look behind the curtain on on that side of game development because i'm not a huge fighting game guy i don't think too much about the frames and the zoning and the quarter circles and all those kinds of traditional things but the ways that not only he explained it but then also talked about the challenges of translating that into such a radically different style as smash bros while still staying true to that control scheme it was so yeah. impressive when we see that come through with his like 20 minute demonstration of Kazuya's moveset, which oh was ridiculous with how it just kept going and going. It just and kept going. going. Did you did you watch it? Uh, how how did you view this presentation, Campbell? Um, I didn't watch it live. I only watched. Oh, you didn't it, watch yeah, it live. Later. Okay. Yeah. So I watched it live on on YouTube. Uh, he did a. I guess this is how they always do their 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 events on YouTube. So they had the live chat going at the same time, and. Every time Kazuya would, Sakurai would be like, all right, in this move he has super armor, or in this move, this is a great KO move, or this move has a meteor smash. Like, the chat would go insane. Like, oh my gosh, he has another kill move? Oh my gosh, he has another move that gives him super armor? Like, <laughs> the chat instantly was like, Kazuya's broken. Like, forget, what are we even going to do? Like, it was so good. But I think what was great about it is that, because to me, the way he was describing it really did make it seem like, wow, this guy's kind of OP. This guy seems a little... A little too much if you in the hands of a master. But then you have this great couple of minutes where Sakurai himself was like, all right, I'm going to go fight some AI. And, and he did just okay. He kind of got <laughs> whooped, right? Like, it was great to, to see the guy who made the game play the game. And he executed a few of his combos pretty well. But for the most part, it was kind of like, oh, okay, this is... I felt a little more at ease because I'm like, I'm not very good at Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, to be honest. I really enjoy playing it. I'm not very good at it. So to see the the man himself kind of getting in the ring and just kind of get stomped was like, okay, that makes me feel a little better. Yep, and as godlike as Sakurai might be, it's still confirmed that he is immortal just like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Even though the presentation also, my favorite part was the fact that it confirmed that Sakurai gets his ideas for DLC from God himself, which I think was fantastic. Oh, my, it was so funny. He's like, yeah, a voice from the heavens told me to put Kazuya in, uh, Kazuya in Smash. I was like, yeah, I believe you. And then like, that, that note where he was just like, I really wonder how the localization team is going to handle this joke. Oh, so good. So good. And also, again, like not to, not to belabor the point, but what a charming and informative and what like what a great host he is mm -hmm. you know Absolutely. he's always been you know yeah. i don't know if you've so seen personable. like the kid Icarus, uh, uprising have no, you did, i'll like, have to the whole have to go back yeah there's a lot that, of behind yeah. the scenes and he's like so charismatic and everything yeah well it's it's just it's uh i mean similar to to iwata himself just like just has a great way of connecting with 
with people about explaining his process mm-hmm. and his thoughts behind the thing. Like, well, he basically just, was the guy's pupil. You know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like yeah. you can you can clearly see the mentorship at play. I especially love the way these presentations are filmed because it almost feels like a sitcom at times where he's, you know, making all these little jokes and you can hear the crew in the background laughing at him. It's just, it's so fun to go through that. And at the same time then, while it's also funny, towards the end when he was talking about how much of his life he's put into Smash Bros, how much effort he's put into it, it was honestly, I don't know about you guys, but I felt a little emotional thinking about how much he's put into it and how far the game has come. It's so poignant and personal. Well, he, he had, there was at least two, I want to say there was two moments. There was one towards the beginning and one towards the end where he was kind of like, you can see that I've really poured my heart into into putting this character in the game. And you, you could see it, the way he was explaining the history of fighting games, the way he was explaining, like, well, here's why I like this character. And here's how, like, I really put a lot of work into how I would put his moveset into this style of game. And you could really tell, like, wow, this guy loves this like as as much as he beats himself up over like literally has destroyed his body making these games you can tell that he really really loves it and that that passion is infectious i think 100 percent. and even if again i've said i've already said it i'm not super interested in kazia from a purely you know ip perspective or character perspective but the way he presents it the sheer passion even with a language barrier i can still see the passion and the the genuine love that he puts into this this game and with all these characters so it's always infectious it's always exciting and it just makes the game feel that much more special thinking about all that's come into it yeah i i thought it was a a great presentation and uh it, the the funny part is the three of us have not had the chance to mess around with this character yet. Yeah, from a purely uh, conceptual level, Kazuya looks great. <laughs> he looks great. Like I, I always have trouble with those characters. Like I, I I love I love that Ryu is in this game. I really like Street Fighter. Again, I'm, I'm not very good at fighting games, but I appreciate that he's in there. I like that I can do the Hadouken. I don't know very much about uh, Tekken at all. So so watching those moves on the screen, I'm like, wow, those are great. I'm not going to be able to execute 99% of them, but I, I appreciate that they're there. Like, I think it's cool. <laughs> I don't know. It, it seems like he's going to be a great ad. I'm, I really hope that there are some, some good tutorials that pop up that explain, you know, here's how to get the most out of this character. Because, again, as kind of just a, a I would say a low to mid-level Smash Brothers Ultimate player, I probably won't be able... I will probably be able to barely scratch the surface of what this guy can do. I was extre- Okay, guys, not to toot my own horn here. I was extremely good at Super Smash Brothers Melee. Extremely good. Like, fuck around, find out. You know what I mean? Like, it's... it's <laughs> I don't know. One of these days, one of these days, boys, we're going to have a, a Smash Melee tournament, and it'll be glorious. May- Ultimate and Brawl and every, everything after Melee, I'm not great at. I just, I just I haven't had the time... And uh, obviously, the loss of a GameCube controller is is hurting me because that's what I that's what I'm best at. That said, I really hope that this character continues to continues the trend of drawing new people into the series and getting people excited for what's to come next. And I, I am just utterly fascinated by what's going to be the final character revealed. Um. Do we want... I mean, I don't know. We've, we've done this so many times. Is it worth oh, talking no. about who we think the final character is going to be? I don't even Crash think so. Bandicoot. <laughs> you think it's Crash? I have no idea. Crash. I'm just saying that because, you know, when seeing these Microsoft characters come in, seeing Square Enix characters come in, these characters that 
are just infamous for not being on Nintendo platforms, they're some of the most memorable and the most special ones. So if there's one grand finale way to close out the DLC, I think it'd be great to have a traditionally Sony character end up in Smash. But wow. that is just my purely romantic thinking. There's yeah. no way that's happening. Listen, but it would be Cloud nice Strife if it did. happened, man. Cloud, they got Cloud in this game. Like, they can get any. They got friggin' Solid Snake in this game. Like, anything can happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything can happen. So I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I, to me, it's not even worth it to make a to make a prediction. Uh, a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I lost the word there. To me, it's not even worth to make a prediction because I'm like, I'm gonna be yeah. wrong. Like, no matter what I say, it's gonna be incorrect. So yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I think whatever whatever happens, it's gonna upset some people. It's gonna make some other people extremely excited. I, I hope. I hope it's revealed sooner rather than later. I think the rumor is this year. Is that right? It is. It's what he confirmed, confirmed in the direct. He yeah. did confirm it in the direct. That's year. what I thought. Mm-hmm. Right. The rumor from Sakurai awesome. himself. <laughs> uh, the rumor. <laughs> I guess we can trust that rumor. So I guess I guess we'll stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm very excited to hear what it what it ends up being. Any more thoughts on this on this very in depth? Mr. Sakurai presents. It's hard uh, to be disappointed in like anything by now, you know. Like everything yeah. is just good. <laughs> there's nothing about good. the game that's bad, or you know, there's so many characters in the game. It's hard to complain anymore. It's just whoever gets in. It's like, all right, we got another character. I love it. I love it. I uh, I think it's great. I again, the the whole concept of like DLC fighters has just been so delightful to me, like. Everybody complains about microtransactions and, and, and paid DLC and all this stuff. But I think this is the, the best way to do it. Of like, hey. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you can, you, can, you can wait and see what the fighters are before you get the packs. Like, it's in, like, I don't know. I think it's, you get a ton of stuff for your money. You get all this music and new stages. Like, it's, I don't know. I think it's just wonderful what they've done with the fighter packs over the years. So, I know he keeps saying like this is the last this is the last upcoming character like it's gonna be the final thing we add. I hope it's not the end of Smash, but you know if it is, I think what a what a great send off, you know. So yeah, so with that, I think we'll take a little break. We're gonna come back and talk about not Super Smash Brothers. We're gonna talk about a little game called Mario Golf Super Rush, which you may have heard of. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. back to talk a little bit about Mario Golf Super Rush, the latest entry in the Mario Golf Mario Golf, the Mario Golf <laughs> franchise. Um, so Mark reviewed this game for Goomba Stomp, and from what I understand, I this game is receiving some I would I would say mixed to positive reviews. Yeah, and, for the most part. Uh, for the most part, right? And I would say, Mark, you you land more on the positive end of the spectrum. But uh, why don't why don't you why don't you take it away? I am. I am a bit between the mediocre and like the positive section. I'm like, sure. 
a bit on what I like to call it as in the title of my article, I called it the fairway, which if you don't know golf, that's like the area between the bad zone and the good zone that you need to stay mm-hmm. in. So mm-hmm. the thing about Mario Golf Super Rush is that mechanically it's the same game that we've known for years. It's the, the Mario Golf series started on the NES and it wasn't called Mario Golf. It went by a different title. I believe it was NES Tournament Golf or something like that. NES Open about, Tournament Golf. Mark, you, you almost called. blew my you almost blew my entire mind right there. I was like, "What <laughs> Mario Golf was it? Like that's not true." Like, wait a second, because um, I was under the impression that the game started on the Game Boy Color. No, it started on the N sixty four, like okay. officially as Mario Golf, but the right, game but you... itself, like mechanically, started on the NES. Okay, great, got it. Yeah, so on the NES, they created, Nintendo was the first to create this mechanic, and it was like the power gauge meter to show how far the ball would go. And that's become like the staple Mario Golf mechanic, and we've seen it in other games like uh, Everybody's Golf and all those types of titles have utilized it over the years. But they were the first to do it, and Mario Golf just became a thing on the N64, and then you had Toadstool Tour on GameCube, and then you had um, World Tour on the 3DS. And I grew up playing uh, Toadstool Tour. I played a little bit of World Tour before Super Rush came out, since I never got it at launch, but I got it off eBay, played through a bit of it. So for Super Rush, it's in an interesting situation where Nintendo's going by this new online model where it's like, hey, we're gonna have updates in the next year or two, but like all the content is not there at launch. And I think that really hurt this game the most out of like Splatoon, Mario, Tennis Aces, This one just feels like it got hurt the most. And it's not even just because of a lack of content. It's because of... It's so multiplayer online focused that I think it kind of takes away some of the specialties of Mario Golf, if that makes sense. Hmm. Explain what you mean. So, so... What would you you describe as the specialties of Mario Golf? Like what, what you just said. Well, there's a few things. For, like, features and modes and stuff like that, I would say that there was single-player content that was, like, it really wanted you to test your skills. And it was like, hey, go through this amount of rings or try and beat this course in the X amount of par. But in this game, it's like, hey, you have your single-player. That's only about five to six hours. And then you have your online modes. And there's nothing else in the game. And it feels really disappointing because Super Rush doesn't necessarily teach the player how to be a better Mario Golf player. And I think that really hurts the community as a whole because you have all these new players jumping in because of how high the Switch is sold. And a lot of them are not really understanding some of those easy to pick up and play mechanics that they should. And while the single player does a good job of introducing them to golf, it's not a perfect solution. The thing is a clunky mess. The boss battles are absolutely horrendous. The the whole design of it, it sticks you on to like different types of golf. And if you get stuck on one you want, it's like, well, you got to finish it or you're not moving forward. And then it's like, well, if the player abandons it, they're not going to learn more. So it's this huge barrier that just doesn't feel right. And without that extra single player content that allowed you to test your skills in the previous games, there's really no way for the player to get better otherwise than watching videos online and just like studying how others play the game. Mm-hmm. So, but now that being said, the online content is good. The main golf <laughs> mechanics still great. <laughs> right, right. After all that negative, the the main golf mechanics 
they're still as great as ever. They actually added a new feature, which is, um, there's two new features. There's the special shots, which every character has like a different type of shot, which after you build up your meter, you can use it once. It's a cool mechanic. It was from Mario Tennis Aces. It doesn't add too much to the game besides knowing when to use your special shot to throw off other players. But the real, the, the new feature that's really cool is the power meter. At the top, they added like this rhombus-like shape. And if you go into that area, there's a chance your ball can curve upon hitting it. I believe it's called shift the mechanic, but it's a randomized chance. And it really makes you think about how you're approaching the golf course, because obviously you want to get to the the hole as fast as possible. But now it's like, hey, do I go for 100% or do I go for 95%? But like that 100% is gonna give me a few extra meters and will I need that to reach the putting green so that way I could just easily get it in rather than having to use my other golf clubs. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so I gotta ask you, Mark, uh, what other, so you've played these other Mario Golf games. Mm-hmm. Have you played any other, I'm just curious, any other like types of golf games? No, I no, yeah, I honestly like, have not. Yeah, <laughs> why would you? Why would you? Well, why would um, I? If there's Mario Golf, yeah, I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm right there with you. I, I don't, I don't love sports games in general. Like my, me neither. Age, I, I really I like the Mario it. ones because of the craziness to them, yes. and that's another thing that I think mm-hmm. Super Rush kind of skimps out on. It's the craziness that was in Mario Golf Toadstool Tour, and it's the fact that, like in Toadstool Tour, if there was a warp pipe. You can actually hit your golf ball into the warp pipe and it would come out on another side of the map. And it added a whole type of like Mario aesthetic to the game, but a whole type of strategy. And in this game, it goes for a more basic golf experience. There are like some obstacles. Um, I don't think the bullet bill is actually in this game. And that's like a serious staple. But there are some like Super Mario Odyssey type of enemies that are in the game that you can find and they'll try and hurt your progress. But there's nothing like major that's... A Mario aesthetic that you can utilize you know it kind of feels I don't want to say the worlds feel barren because they actually look nice and they're well designed but it's just the fact that that Mario aspect of it is not there it's the craziness of the game that's just missing so question mark then on that topic um, in the I think it was the E3 trailer for the game where they showed off some of the new um, areas that are going to be coming to the game like they showed off the fact that New Donk City will be coming yes. in. and that looked insane because <laughs> of that's just so different from your typical golf course, right? And that is what you're talking about in terms of Mario's unique mechanics going into the game. Is yeah, there nothing that's like why that in the base game then? There really isn't, which hmm. is such a shame because it looks like the DLC is really going to be the great part of this. And that's kind of worries me because it's like, well, how long is it going to take for those amazing courses in Mario? I guess like in quotes, Mario type courses to make its way to the mm-hmm. game. The ones that mm-hmm. people want to mm-hmm. play most for their special aspects. Yeah, that's the that's the tough part is that it's like, well, we don't we don't have a clear a full picture of what the DLC is going to be, which makes it like that much harder to, you know, to get I don't know, to get like invested in the experience. It's like, well, like I kind of want to wait for to see what they do, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's two new types of golf, too, for the online, which is speed golf and battle golf. And they're great. But the thing is that 
you know, we're on these same, like, basic courses. Like, I wish they had, like, the Mario craziness of it. Like, why isn't it in speed golf, which is, like, an open... I want to say open-world golf, but it's, like, a third-person action perspective, and you have to, like, control the character and beeline it for the hole while trying to make it under par. And it's really, really smart and intricate. But the thing with it is that why is it that, like, there's not, like, hey, look, a warp pipe over there. Jump in it. Go to another area of the course and be able to outrace your opponent, you know? Like, it doesn't feel so immersive to the Mushroom Kingdom. It feels more like a golf game rather than a Mario sports game. Right, which is interesting because I feel like Mario Tennis Aces went... Was Super Mario-y. I was going to say, it was, <laughs> they went, like, hardcore on the, like, layout. Let's make it crazy. Let's go nuts mm-hmm. with it. And you're saying this game is, just, is it's more the opposite. The, yeah. yeah. It's just the complete opposite, which is so weird. Because Mario Tennis Aces, they were, like, using piranha plants, and they were doing this crazy stuff with the tennis court where it's like, hey, we're on, like, a pirate ship, and the middle of it, like, blocks off part of the course. And it's just, like, all these different crazy aspects are gone. They're just not in this game. And it feels more like everybody's golf than it does Mario Golf, which is strange. Yeah, that is uh, kind of unexpected. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, Mario Tennis Ace did pretty well, right? I can I mean, check how good not? It's a, a, a first-party uh, Do you Nintendo. mean sales or Metacritic? Uh, I feel like the crit... I mean, I don't care about Metacritic, but I, I feel as though the critical reception was similar to this game of, like, mixed to positive. I would assume so. I'm about to check. Yeah, yeah it actually has the same exact score on Metacritic. The same 75. exact score. So it was yeah. kind of like a... What is that, like an 80, 70, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, some, so it's basically in the the C range. The C range. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess you could call it that. Um, yeah, it so, has a lot of you know, like you said, there's a lot of mixed and a lot of positive. A lot of mixed and a lot of positive. So it, it feels like I mean, obviously different people worked on that game than did this game. No, it's the same people. It's the same people. <laughs> yeah, it's never the mind. same. Never mind. Camelot. I'm completely wrong. Yeah, I, I just assumed Camelot's actually. No, Camelot's actually worked on the Mario Party. Mario Party. They've worked on the Mario sports titles since, um, like, the N64 days. Well, there you go. Well, that completely... That's great. I mean, good for them. Um, so, in that case, it's not... It's, I guess, not that surprising that it would be similarly received. Although, I am surprised that... I guess the surprising part to me is that because Mario Tennis Aces did go full-bore with the uh, Mario Ridiculosity, that this game does not do that. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And there are other great aspects about the game. For one, the online is super stable, and the game, oh, I swear to God, this is the fastest boot-up time for a Switch game I've ever seen. It's literally like one, two seconds. Wow, one, two that's Switch, impressive. One, two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that's literally great. like instantaneous. Like, getting into a match, it takes no time. That is impressive, and especially, like, I guess that's not too surprising, though, because, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Mario Tennis Aces, but that was a beautiful game in its own right. What I've seen in Mario Golf also looks technically impressive, at least in a way, so it's really neat to see them take advantage of the Switch hardware a bit more, then. Yeah, well, yeah the, I mean... Didn't, didn't they update their online infrastructure recently? They did. So maybe, maybe this is a result of that. It could be. And also, I saw other critics saying that, like, the online was super buggy for them, except I haven't had a single problem with it, so I don't know if it's just their connection, but, yeah. I never had, like, a lag or anything like that or a connection error, and I played a lot of games. I played probably this game 
I put a lot of time into the online before sure, reviewing sure. it. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, uh, I mean, good on you for doing that because I feel like that is apparently a core part of the experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, uh, to commit to that. Um, that being said, so can we, we should talk a little bit about speed golf and battle golf, I feel like, because we, we've kind of talked around mm -hmm. it, uh, these, other, these other features. Do, do you want to kind of go in depth on, on what those are all about? Yeah, so speed golf and battle golf, they're kind of the same, but they're not because speed golf takes place on the open courses, like the, each individual hole, and then battle golf takes place in one big arena. So in speed golf, the idea is that you have to outrace your opponents and beeline it for the hole, and you have to get as least par as possible, which is like the amount of strokes you do in golf. And then with battle golf, it's, hey, you can go as much as you want with as many you know swings as you can, but like you have to compete for nine different holes on the battlefield, and you have to get three to win. Right. Uh, that's uh, that's good. <laughs> it feels like the it feels like the the right amount of craziness. I don't know. Yeah, they're definitely the best like Mario Golf modes we've had since. I mean, the existence of the series. They're definitely like some of the most original modes, but. They're kind of the same. It depends which one you like more. Do you like going on like these open courses and figuring out a way to the end that's faster than your opponent? Or do you like trying to compete for the most holes as quick as possible? You know? Right. Which, which, uh, which speed, golf. I guess. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, you saw what I was trying to ask. Thank you. I was yeah. trying to, trying speed to word golf. it in a fun way. I, I, okay. I like speed golf better and it's because I feel that it's more meticulous in thought process because as soon as you start, you have like the three second countdown and then it's like, Oh God, like how fast can I make it to the hole? Which way do I go straight? Do I go left? Do I go right? When do I run? When do I trail behind opponents? When do I grab a heart? Do I try and go this way that my opponent's going so that I could steal the hearts and outrace them? Do I take more time making more swings, but avoid every, there's just like a whole layer to it and it keeps like adding on to your thought process while you're going and you just have to improvise on the spot awesome did, did you find that uh so you're saying doing that was like super satisfying yeah it was speed awesome. golf is the best mario golf mode we've had in since the games came out <laughs> that's awesome that's really great i love to hear it Campbell, do you, are you like, have you played any of these, any of these Mario sports games? Um, I've not played any Mario Golf games. I've messed around a little bit with Mario Tennis Aces. Um, and I want to say I played something back on the Wii, but the fact that I can't even remember what game it was shows how much of an impact it made on me. So <laughs> right. you know, they're, they're not my forte, I'll say. Gotcha. So I do have one question though, Mark, and you know, you've touched a little bit on the single player content already as it is, but... I'm interested in discussing that a little bit more because I know that mm -hmm. the Mario Golf series has quite a legacy of, of hefty single-player single content, content yeah. and especially in this age of hefty sports-themed RPGs. And by sports-themed RPGs, I'm just talking mm -hmm. about Golf Story, basically. But when we have these new games taking these similar ideas and mm -hmm. turning them into meaty single-player content, how does that work in Mario Golf Super Rush? Like, what does the adventure mode look like, really? Okay, so it introduces you to golf, teaches you the basics, which is great. Teaches you all the terminology, tries to get you into, like, what is golf? Here's how it plays. These are the different types of clubs, etc. And then 
it starts to do its own like single player adventure type thing. And it's like, hey, here's the type of golf where you have to complete nine holes in, you have to do it under 20 strokes and you want to take your controller and throw it at the screen because <laughs> it is Oof. so, it is so infuriating for like, even I haven't played Mario golf in so long. So like the elevation skills for me, like going from ground level to ground level, I'm not that great at that. Cause I haven't been, you know, I haven't played Mario golf Toadstool tour in years, even though I still own my copy from my childhood. I just haven't played it in years. So going back into it, it was like, I sucked at getting the ball to different elevations, but like the regular golf, when you didn't have to worry about that stuff, I was doing amazing. So I got to this point in the single player and I was like, oh God, like, here we go. And I swear to God, the part where they introduced elevation was the most time consuming part for me. And I like literally looked at it and I said, what if you were a beginner? Like, how could you possibly conquer this? Like, I have mm. known Mario Golf for so long. You don't have to teach me how to topspin, backspin, curve. Like, you don't have to explain any of it to me. But if you have to teach a player how to conquer elevation, like, they are screwed. There is no way they're going to get through this. Man. So it mm. sounds like, then, that the these adventure modes or these challenges, that the golf mechanics are just kind of shoehorned into them rather than... The levels being designed around the existing mechanics and skill sets is that is that kind of what it turns out yeah it sort of does and the real big problem with it is that it sticks you to one course and it's like hey you do a b c d e f g until you beat the game and mm. it is so dumb how they did it it should have just been mission modes or, or something but this is like not the way to do it no element of exploration or anything no, there are third-person, like, exploration elements. You play as your me, and you, like, run around these, like, open... I don't want to say open worlds. They're just, like, these little tiny hub worlds. And they're cool. It runs really well. But it's, like... You just want to learn how to play golf, you know? It's, like, the only purpose to these hub worlds is buying new clubs and stuff with the currency that you collect, which is coins. And it just all feels so, like, just tacked on. Awesome. I mean, not not that awesome, but it feels so tacked awesome. on. But that's that's how, that's what I mean. I meant like, yeah, I don't know, like, it's just so not good. The single player is, yeah. it's just, it's so mind-boggling. Like, how did they screw this up? And I don't, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna spoil it because who cares at this point? The yeah, the boss battles are a joke. There's three of them. Y and you said that. You don't, yeah, 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 yeah. No, please they're expand a on complete that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. joke. Um, I don't even remember what the first boss you fight was, but one of them is like a bird and then the other one is like a snowman and it's just so, so dumb. It's just ridiculous. And the snowman, by the way, at the ending captures Mario and then you have to rescue him. It's ridiculous. It's it's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's truly like, okay, if you want to learn how to play golf, my recommendation, play the first hour of the campaign, get out of there. Just like get out of there. I, I'm not wow. even kidding. Are there not, like, any benefits to finishing the campaign, though? No. <laughs> well, okay, wow, then. he laughs. He scoffed at you. He straight up scoffed at like, you. Not Cam. even, like, a special there costume is... or anything? They they say that you can use your me character in one of the other modes. It... Wow, what I don't even more? know. They, they still appear on the the front screen, so, like, I don't, I don't really know, like, what the issue is with that. But <laughs> even if there is a reward, like, my honest opinion is I, I really don't think it'll be worth the, the aggravation and the stress. Like, go have fun yeah. in the online multiplayer. Wow. 
Ooh, kind of, I should uh, mention this. Two other things. Uh, number one, the motion controls. Very good. It's very well implemented. And the other oh, thing is that there's a golf guide on the main screen in the pause menu. And it's like a whole alphabetical guide of all the terminology. So they like really want to teach you everything about golf. And that is amazing. Because there's so much, like, even as someone who goes, like, golfing and mini-golfing, there was so much I didn't know that, like, now I know. Like, there's words like albatross and what a backswing, like, the actual, like, definitions behind it. And there's, like, it's just great. It's, it really teaches you how to play golf. Well, there you go. So, which is kind of unexpected. Like, may, maybe that's, I mean, that's obviously Oh, yeah, completely why, unexpected. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, and it's probably, like, well, that's why they dialed down the... The crazy stuff. Mario. So like, well, yeah. Let's, let's the Mario ness of it all. So that's like, yeah, mm -hmm. let's like actually try to teach people something about golf, which is like, I guess that's admirable. Yeah. But then it's like going into that conversation again, it's like nothing has changed since Toadstool Tour and World Tour and even like the NES one for that matter, the mechanics. So it's like, why take out the Mario ness, you know? That is odd. I, I guess. It is odd because, like, typically Nintendo single-player stuff is, like, rock-solid. Yeah, know? this one this one has jumped off the ship and drowned. Which, which is funny. It's just, like, it, it does seem like, what? Like, what? Like, that seems kind of uh, antithetical to to what they would do. But, hey, like, you know, I guess they're, they're really trying to go hardcore on this online multiplayer stuff. So good for them, I guess? I don't know. Yeah, I don't... It, it's difficult to feel about it. it's you know it's a new mario golf obviously it's not going to be like the older ones it's not going to be identical but it's still just i feel like the learning curve is kind of missing which is a shame because this one goes into the most in-depth into golf itself with the terminologies and everything so it feels like it kind of misses the mark ah uh, well that's i guess a bit of a shame um like I, I know that you're coming coming across more on the positive side, but that is kind of a kind of a shame. I think that it, yeah, the game. Like it... Listen, the game's fun. The main mechanics are still as rock solid as ever. Speed golf right. and battle golf are ridiculously fun. It's just if you're going into Mario Golf for the first time, it's hard to say to you like you're going to be able to become a veteran from this game because I truthfully do not believe that. Like you are going to have to find help if you want to get amazing at this game. Okay. Do you think uh, that's to the to the detriment of the game overall? I think so. I mean, really, yeah. it's it, it's just it has like, less of that. It has less of a pick up and play aspect to it. It does, which is yeah. weird because it's a Nintendo game. So it's yeah, like, that is, that, it's funny. Yeah. I'm trying to like reconcile that in my brain. I'm like, wait, but it's but it's a Nintendo game. Like we we just spent 20 minutes talking about Super Smash Brothers, and how like even though you know Kazuya apparently has this very complicated move set, it's like yeah, but at the end of the day. You can, you can still pick, pick them up and, and have. Yeah. You can pick up and play. You can pick them up and have a fun time. It's like less of the case here. Mm. And it's a Mario title, which makes it like even worse. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. That's it, I mean, it's still a good game. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, it, the golf. You know, if you want to go play Mario Golf, and you're looking for a single player experience, stick to the old ones. If you want to have fun online with friends, this is a good game. There's not much else to say. Well, there you go. So if you're interested in reading more about uh, the ins and outs of Mario Golf and the stuff it does well and the stuff it does less well, you can, of course, check out Mark's review over on Goomastomp. Anything else you want to kind of tie it up with, Mark, or, or you kind of want to leave it at that? Uh, I am hopeful for the new content coming out. But yeah. I hope it comes out quick because if not, this game is going to sink. <laughs> and I really wow. mean that.
Yeah. So you you heard him, Nintendo. Get on it. Uh, we're gonna take one more <laughs> one more quick break. We're gonna come back, have a little indie spotlight for you all. So stay tuned. indie puzzle platformer called Out of Line. Uh, Campbell reviewed this game for the site, and uh, Campbell, why don't, you, why don't you give us a little bit of information about this game? As I was telling Cameron before we started recording the show tonight, if you know anything about puzzle platformers, if you've ever played Inside or Limbo or any other popular puzzle platformer, then you'll know exactly what to expect from Out of Line. Mm. Perhaps somewhat ironically for its name that suggests something creative, something unusual, something, shall we say, out of line with what you would expect. The game is actually very much on track with everything that is just supposed to come with a game in this genre. You have these, uh, I don't want to say stereotypical, but standard style puzzles that you've seen many times before. It's just a lot of ideas that aren't necessarily groundbreaking. But sure. at the well, same why, why, time, oh, sorry, go ahead. the same time, what I want to say is that there's nothing wrong with that at the same mm. time, because mm. what it does is it executes these ideas very solidly. So it's nothing that's going to blow your mind. If you've played dozens of puzzle platformers before, it's not going to excite you, perhaps, but it's a remarkably solid package of a few hours of puzzling platforming content presented very, very beautifully. The aesthetics are fantastic on this game. It has this watercolor aesthetic with this really beautiful atmospheric soundtrack. It's just a delight to play through it. So even if, as you're playing it, I constantly had the sensation of, wow, I've played this before in Limbo, or insert puzzle platformer here, but it's still done very well. So if you're looking for just, I want to say like a comfort food kind of game, this is exactly what you would get if you just want to spend a few hours working your way at some puzzles. I love doing that. I, I To me, it's funny. Puzzle platformers to me are like, th- that's what brought me back into video games. Like, I, I played a lot of video games as a kid. I took a break when I went to college uh, and just didn't play any games for like, I don't know, five or six years. And then I came back with the PS3 right around like when that indie boom was happening. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, we had Limbo, we had Braid, we had those games kind of coming back into popularity. And to me, I love this kind of game. I will play, I'll play the best ones, I'll play the worst ones, I'll play the ones that are right in the middle. To me, this game sounds like exactly my speed. Um, You mentioned the stereotypical puzzles of this kind of a game. What do you mean by that? What I mean is essentially that there's nothing super um, inventive about it. If you've I keep mm-hmm. talking about Limbo because it's a game that keeps coming to mind. You know how in Limbo sure. there were a lot of like physics-based puzzles about oh, yeah. pushing blocks together, stopping these gears from grinding or these conveyor belts from 
moving, things of that sort. That's all of what Out of Line is all about. The main gimmick of the game is that you're this little, I don't know if he's a robot or just a little dude who's wrapped in armor or something like that, but you play this guy named San, and he has a spear, and you use the spear to throw it at objects, and it can either act as another platform for you, or you can use it as a lever, or you can use it to stop gears from grinding. So you do that, to, and you use the spear to either just climb over ledges, you use it to push things around, or... Um, just kind of affect the physics of the area to unlock new paths forward. So it's nothing, if you've played any of those games, you've probably seen a lot of, a lot of those kinds of physics-based puzzles before, and it doesn't do much, um, much new. And also, in a way, it reminds me of that Devolver Digital game I talked about on the show a few months back, Aaliyah, which is kind of all about oh, throwing yeah. a spear, but it's like the exact opposite mm. of that, where Leah was about throwing a spear and being super fast-paced with it, but still using it in similar ways as a platform, as a tool for getting through the environment. Out of Line is like a much slower-paced, methodical answer to that. Yeah, I'm, I'm the thing that surprised me the most about your review, Campbell, is uh, you talk about being like a, a methodical, slower-paced kind of game, and yet, it's only a few hours long. Right. And that is both a blessing and a curse for this kind of game, in my view. Sure. So on the one hand, there is absolutely nothing wrong with a game being two or three hours long. In fact, I oh, love yeah. that. I, As a reviewer, man, you know, I yeah. don't like playing games that are dozens of hours long yeah. because I want to finish it and get to work on the review, you know? So I Can't appreciate Game that values my time. I've said it before, and, I've, and I'll say it again. Games are too long. They should all be shorter. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Exactly. But the issue is that I don't feel that the story is properly paced for a game that's so short like this. So the setting of the game is in this kind of nature versus technology environment that might be somewhat familiar for these kinds of sci-fi types of stories. You play as this little guy named Sand, as I've mentioned, and he's in this community of other guys like him and these mysterious big robot arms just start coming out from mysterious voids in the sky they're destroying everything taking all his buddies he has to escape this this little area he lives in and find a way out figure out what's going on and try and survive right and along the way he goes into the wilderness he goes into these just really strange areas and meets some friends along the way now, the game has no dialogue, no conversations, no text, nothing of that sort. So you do meet some new characters, and some narrative events do happen, but it's all wordless, and it's all left up to your interpretation. And by the final, I want to say, 30 minutes of the game, a new character is introduced, things start to get really interesting as it's experimenting with explaining what's been happening, and then the game just stops. And it doesn't mm. feel like the ending actually concluded anything at that point it feels like it was only just getting closer to giving the player enough hints to parse out what was happening so again i feel that from a gameplay perspective the length is pretty good at this i do also feel that there were some really great puzzles and mechanics towards the end that felt a little more original that i would have loved to have seen fleshed out a bit more but again it ends somewhat abruptly so the length is on the one hand appreciated i love these short games but it doesn't feel like it fits for what the game is building up towards gotcha well hopefully uh i don't know hopefully this game does well maybe they can flesh out some of those ideas in a, in a future title so for, for my understanding this game is not out on switch yet is that correct 
No, it's no, it is on because you, you played it on Switch. Well, I played it on PC, but it is you coming it on out PC, <laughs> on Switch later. I don't know if we want to keep that in because that's um, blasphemy to review a, a PC Oof. game on the show. But uh, <laughs> totally fair enough. Oh yeah, but, uh, but no, it, I'm it's, sure it'll look the same. It's oh yeah, you know, no, it's based not like, on the art style. It's not a graphically intensive game in the slightest, um, but it is nonetheless an absolutely gorgeous title. the The art style they compare it to Studio Ghibli. And I wouldn't say that it's quite in that same vein, but it's still a painterly watercolor style mm-hmm. with these truly gorgeous backgrounds and characters. Um, and especially, you know, I'm a music guy. I love the soundtrack for this game as well, because it mixes between these really memorable, strong melodies during these intense moments where you're, say, like running away from one of these robot arms or trying to fight something off. Um, and also these really atmospheric, slow, and um, just really ambient-style tunes where you can just hear a little keyboard tinkling in the background or these gentle strings um, kind of setting the mood for what's going on. So it really is aesthetically a remarkably solid presentation. I love it. It does look gorgeous. Um, There's some great screenshots uh, kind of laced throughout your review and uh, I love I love the what you described the, the the robot arms coming out of the sky like those pictures look very very intriguing very good. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some set pieces throughout the game that I don't want to say are breathtaking and all, but they are really beautifully done. Nice. Um, yeah, th- and that's the hard part about this kind of a game is that to to really stand out, it's so tough because there's so much competition. There's there because there's some games that lean all the way into aesthetic. There's some games that lead all the way into the puzzle part. This one feels like it, it falls somewhere in the middle, but to mm-hmm. me, it's it's elevated by the fact that it is so short, to be honest. To a certain like, extent, it is an inherently understated game, so it's a little difficult to get to the core of what makes it worthwhile without just playing it for yourself, you know, seeing those set pieces, seeing the world in motion, and going through it and working through these relatively simplistic but still satisfying puzzles to get through it. So, you know, the length isn't, it might be great for you, you know. I understand if you're a busy gamer, it might be wonderful to just be able to knock out a game in a single sitting. But at the same time, it is a little bit, I know, right? I enjoyed it as well. I played it in like two sittings or thereabouts, and I did enjoy that for the novelty factor. I was just a little frustrated by the fact that, wow, some of these final few moments were my favorite in the entire experience, and then it just stops. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess it's, it's, it's good. It's better to end on a high note than to, to end with being like, ah, these last few puzzles are really frustrating. Like I, I, Mm -hmm. I, I imagine that it feels good to be like, Oh wow, these are great. This is so inventive. Oh, and it's over. Oh, I wish there was more. Right. Like I would, yeah. I would rather have that experience than the opposite, I think. Yeah, leaving you wanting more is probably the best problem that you could have with this kind of yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh so that's out of line. So keep an eye out for that. And of course, Campbell's review for that is on the website. Anything else you want to say to kind of tie that one off, Candle? Yeah, just if you want a solid, like I said, just a comfort food kind of experience. Nothing that's going to blow your mind. But it is just the perfect kind of game to play to say if you're cuddling up on, say, it's hot around the nation right now. But if it's cold or if you're staying inside, you just want something to cozy up with. It is a wonderfully just nice kind of game for that kind of slow pace, relaxed pace of playing. Love it. Awesome. Um, Great. Well, that being said, 
I feel like I always use that being said as a, as my transition words. Have you guys noticed that? <laughs> it's terrible. I, I we'll gotta find get better. Some at that. synonyms. We gotta find some synonyms. We gotta bust out the the the, the thesaurus. With that having been spoken. With that, <laughs> thus spake <laughs> thus spake me. Uh, I think that's a podcast, gentlemen. So mm-hmm. you can find me over on Twitter. I'm at Action Daxon. That's Daxon with an X. My latest writing is, of course, over on Goomastomp.com. Uh, I'll have some stuff out next week for some upcoming indie games, but I think my latest piece was on probably Umarangi or perhaps something else. I'm just glancing right now. I believe it was Overboard. Oh, it was Overboard. Oh, my gosh. Overboard, which I loved, uh, which we talked about last week on the podcast. So, yeah, Overboard and Umarangi Generations were my last couple of reviews I wrote for the site. Very, very fun games. Uh, Mark, where can people find you on the Internet? You can find me at the Markel, and that, of course, is Mark with a C, Cal with a K. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter if you want to check out my writing over on GoomStomp.com. I currently have my review for Mario Golf Super Rush, and I have a tips guide for the game, which is cool. Um, I also have uh, weekly reviews for Loki. Episode 4 went out today as we're recording this, so check it out. I love it. And Campbell, what about yourself? You can find all my games writing, as always, over at GoombaStop.com. I've got an indie game spotlight that went up over the weekend. I've got that writ review of Out of Line. I have some other interesting stuff coming out in the near future, so please keep an eye out for that. And of course, if you want to follow me on social media, you can catch me on Twitter at my wonderfully pretentious handle, uh, Campbell S. Gill, uppercase CSG. Almost forgot to spell it out right there. <laughs> otherwise, we never, we never would have found you otherwise. Exactly. Uh, uh, N-Express, we are on Twitter as at N-Express Nintendo, and of course we are on YouTube as well, the N-Express Nintendo podcast, so make sure you subscribe, comment, engage with us there. We could use some more some more five-star reviews, you know what I mean? I think it's about that time. So if you're listening to the show and you enjoy us blockheads talking about Nintendo games, drop us a rating review, I think it would be great. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 